David, and you're listening to the Tone Base Classical Guitar Podcast. I've just confirmed a couple new interviews for this season. Heading out to New York next week to conduct some interviews with Tone Base artists Ben Verdery, Gohar Vardanyan, and David Leisner. I've also got an interview I've just recorded out here in LA with Mark Gergic, uh, who's a young Slovenian guitarist, very involved in new music, especially microtonal music. For today, Tamal Vilto is on the show. He was the GFA winner in 2006 after only playing the guitar for 10 years, which is remarkable to say the least. He's also a newly appointed professor at the Peabody Institute of Music in Baltimore. So I met up with him a couple months ago uh, while he's getting settled out in Baltimore. And we had a really fun conversation. I also wanted to know uh, when we're referring to Nick and Paul, this is Paul Odet, the early music specialist, lutenist, and Nicholas Galusis, both professors at the Eastman School of Music, who Tomas studied with for his doctorate of musical arts. He was a student of Roland Dion's in Paris before he passed away, so I thought I'd play an excerpt um, from his Naxos recording he did after winning the GFA competition. I really enjoy the way he plays Roland's music. So here's a fun piece called The Clown Down. Thank you. 
Now, especially the other night uh, to your album, um, Dances Through the Centuries. Centuries. Oh, yeah, yeah. And um, I loved your interpretation of the Chacon. It it was Mm. very uh, different in in regards to interpretation (laughs) in in a positive way. I really enjoyed it. It It's very uh, refreshing. It's different. Um, I didn't really work on that with him before I recorded it with Paul. And uh, I, I did after I recorded it. And as soon as I did, actually, even the next day, I was like, hmm, shoot, I should have done this like this. Or like, oh, <laughs> yeah. Well, you can always go back <laughs> yeah. and forth. Yeah. Yeah. No, this is like, but this is the really cool thing with Baroque music, I think. Like, you just do a version and you're like, oh, I should have done this and all that. Or not should have, but I could have. And um, yeah, I might, you know, record it again in the future. And it'll, for sure, it'll sound much different. Yeah. No, it's, uh, well, the famous uh, Canadian pianist, Glenn Gould. I, mm-hmm. I know he started his career off recording the Goldberg Variations mm, yeah. and then finished it with uh, two yeah. very different interpretations. Um, I really appreciated how you're not afraid to change tempos or tempi with, mm-hmm. uh, with the Chaconne. I remember I, I saw Paul uh, give a lecture mm-hmm. uh, before a master class and who's talking about how he was teaching at a festival and he heard this Brazilian guitarist warming up and he was playing this really amazing uh, Brazilian tune and just amazing passion and feeling behind the music. And then he played in the master class of Bach and it was just the most stagnant, boring <laughs> uh, way to play it. And he asked, well, what, why did, why are you playing it like that? What yeah. happened to what you're just doing before? And he, he makes the argument that Bach was alive yeah, <laughs> when well, he wrote these pieces. I think a lot of times we get very scared with, Early yeah. music and early music and you know Bach is a special case because it's even like people who don't know anything about early music and call themselves uh, specialists of Bach, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Which is like it, it's it's Bach is not his own planet, you know. And oh, there's so much more than <laughs> yeah, yeah. He's part of the you know musical current of the time, and uh, it's a little weird to actually view him as like this god, you know. Which you know, like obviously, like I mean, he's probably my favorite composer, you know. Um, but he's he's a musician, you know. Yeah, and we do get and same with me. He's one of my favorites, but we do get caught up. And when we think of Baroque music, myself mm-hmm. included, a lot of us only think Bach. Yeah, and there's so much great music out there, mm-hmm. even from the other Bachs. You know, oh, yeah. no one knows yeah. about the other Bachs and the general public. Yeah, and, that's true. Um, yeah. and what else was on that CD? So it was uh, dances throughout uh, different centuries. Yeah, so and then it was the Tedesco piece, uh, Variations Through the Centuries. Oh, okay. Which kind of gives the name to the album. Yeah, yeah. And it starts with a Chacon, uh, which is not a Chacon, but it's it's called a Chacon. And it ex- ends with a Foxtrot. And that did like, kind of the transition to the Sergio Assad uh, Brazilian suite, you know, that he wrote for me. Yeah. Tell yeah. me about that piece. Like that was, uh, when, when did Sergio write that for you? Uh, 2013, 14, I think. And it's a it's a multi movement suite, yeah, right? Yeah, it's got five movements. Uh, it's the suite Brasilia number three. He wrote the number four after and number five. He sent it to me not too long ago. It's it's written for a guitarist in in Ireland. Um, I haven't heard it played, and uh, I haven't started it. <laughs> I I've looked at it, and it looks really great. Uh, yeah, I have to play it soon. I haven't had really time to learn anything new. Well, I have, but. Well, it's tough repertoire for sure. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I know that feeling. Yeah. Um, yeah. How did it go about uh, having 
the third suite ready for you. Did did you approach uh, Sergio? Yeah, or did I, you I mean, I knew you? Sergio before. Uh, I met him two thousand eight or something. I don't know, probably even before in San Francisco. I was studying there. He was a teacher there. I was studying with Mark Teichold, but he was, you know, Sergio was there. So, and then I I saw Sergio in Tucson at like a party, and I they were playing a concert or something, and I just asked him, you know, would you write a piece for me, like. And instantly like, oh, yes, of course, you know, like, let's talk. <laughs> and uh, so that's that's how it came about. Oh. I got a I got a grant from Northern Trust uh, in Phoenix. Mm -hmm. uh, so they gave me the money for for the piece. Oh, that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, it was great. We in an earlier episode uh, last season, uh, we talked about his newly composed uh, The Walls piece for guitar solo and orchestra that Bill yeah. had commissioned. It was kind of a similar story. Bill was just talking yeah. to him and he said, Sergio, how about you write me a piece? Yeah. And it's so it's so great to hear such a accomplished composer yeah. like him is so excited mm -hmm. to yeah, he really write as many pieces as yeah. you can for his friends yeah. and colleagues. Yeah. 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 And he's, yeah, he's amazing. Is the third suite uh, published now? Mm -hmm. Oh yeah, it's, it was, uh, it's been published for Couple years, three years. Maybe. Oh, okay, very yeah. cool. It's played. It's played actually uh, quite a bit. And have you taught the suite? Do you have people? Yeah, yeah a few well, students. That's got to be an interesting. Yeah, experience. it's a little. It's a little uh, <laughs> because when I was playing it and no one was playing it, I was very confident about the piece. You know, like mm -hmm. I was the only one playing it in the world. You know, you <laughs> so had the interpretation. <laughs> yeah, so I would just go on stage, play it, and now I know people are playing it, and it's it's much more nerve wracking when I play it. You know, <laughs> yeah, playing. I, uh, Play pieces, a lot of people know yeah. it's always scary. It really me. is. I try to keep repertoire where that that not too many people play. Oh no, it's not always easy, but uh, yeah, I get l way less nervous. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Uh, scariest piece for me to or song for me to play is Bohemian Rhapsody. I I do an arrangement <laughs> for solo guitar, oh, yeah? and it's a lot of fun. And all of my friends are always saying, "Oh, you should play that again," but it's terrifying because everyone. <laughs> Absolutely everyone. Well, knows yeah. every part. I mean, this for yeah. sure. Everyone knows this. <laughs> so, what's on the program now? Are you? Um... I'm playing. Um, well, I just changed it for like the next concert in three weeks. Um, I'm playing a lot of romantic music again in the first part, uh, some cost and some sore, and then some Brazilian stuff. So oh, okay. I'll play the Suite by Assad. Great. Uh, the number three. And then the Suite Popular Brazilian by Villa Lobos. Very nice. And some Dianz, I think. Uh, and did you did you study with Dianz? Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah. Uh, three years at the conservatory. Oh wow! But I met him when I was fourteen. Yeah. <laughs> A workshop, and I studied uh, each year for like three years at the this workshop, summer workshop in France. And oh, that must have been amazing yeah. to work with him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it was great. He yeah, rest in peace. He he yeah. was. Uh, he was amazing. Yeah, he really was. He was scary sometimes, but <laughs> you didn't know him. I mean, <laughs> yeah, he, he was a probably, sweetheart yeah. once you got to know him. But yeah. <laughs> but that's true with lots of people when when you when, when you, you don't know them, them, you know, like and you've you've heard about them and they always seem like very impressive, you know. But they're always nice people in the guitar world. Most, yeah. most people are very very nice, very humble, down to earth yeah. people yeah. a lot of the time. When you studied with him, were you were you? Uh, Study mostly his compositions, or I tried to play as much as his pieces as as possible, uh, but we were you know playing everything, like me and all the the other students. Um, but yeah, I was I was trying to play his music. Yeah, Trielle, the, the Saudade, Songe Capricorn, all those pieces that I still play. You know. 
And he was just a masterful transcriber. Oh, yeah. As Arranger, well. Yeah. Have you seen the... It, it's just been released, uh, this book. I, I forgot who published it, but it, it's all these Piazzolla arrangements that oh, he yeah. did. Mm-hmm. They, they're just... Yeah, they did this for... phenomenal. Um, oh, my he, goodness. He, I haven't uh, looked at them, actually. He did this for Thibaut Covin, I think. Yeah. And... Um, I haven't I haven't heard them. I didn't even know they were actually finished. Yeah, yeah, no, it, it's a very nice collection. And in the intro of the of the book, they actually have letters between uh, Sergio and Roland oh, talking about yeah. some of these arrangements and other guitars. It's uh, they he was uh, he was truly uh, a phenomenal musician with everything, mm-hmm. with yeah. performing, mm-hmm. uh, improvising, yeah. transcribing, composing. Mm-hmm. I saw. Yeah, I was looking through your discography a little bit last night. I, I saw you actually have an improv piece, uh, and your CD oh, with the sweet yeah. Braziliara. Yeah, was that kind of <laughs> a little homage to Roland? No, 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 no. I've always done that little improv. I mean, maybe it was because of him. I don't know. I met him when I was fourteen. So yeah, yeah. Know, like how much of you know? Yeah, I don't know. But uh, I, I do. I do this sometimes. Even at concerts, I start with like an improv, or I improvise like a uh, little bit before concert, before like. A piece or something in between pieces it's not like uh, i don't sit there and like um not like he did you know like uh he was like starting the concert then you know he was improvising something and then there was like applause and he would start when i do this it's really just to uh when i tune you know like in a certain key mm-hmm. and it's just to try the fingers and see you know like a little bit so it's it's like a intro to the pieces and oh, i usually okay. don't stop you know i just yeah just kind of go into it and um, and I did this when I was recording it, that uh, suite, uh, because I finished the a piece before in like a key I don't remember, and then the suite was starting in another key, so I did like a little transition. Okay. Uh, but I wasn't like recording it as an improv, you know. It's just like when I edited, this is how I started the piece, you know. Yeah, yeah. So I kept it. I put it on the. Oh, it's like it's kind of made it there. <laughs> yeah, but, yeah. Oh, that's funny. Yeah, it kind of gives time the for the guitar to settle as well with the tuning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't know. I've, always done this i don't like improvise uh you know well i'm not like a jazz uh, guy you know like, mm-hmm. i'm trying but, <laughs> but in early music it's very common in between yeah and between different yeah. sets yeah, of different sure. keys mm-hmm. you know a lot of times so, yeah. at least for what i have seen the continual player will yeah oh yeah yeah, yeah. I mean, you know it's one of my pet peeves with guitar just or with classical music it just seems people get so scared that everything has to be just perfect mm-hmm. and yeah, I, I think we sometimes lose perspective yeah oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> you don't have to tell me <laughs> yeah <laughs> classical music in general now because it's still at school and it's got a big big problem is that you don't need to actually know the music to play it because you have a score mm-hmm. if you want to do this with any other style it's impossible you can't take a jazz chart and just play the notes on the chart it would sound you know yeah. not like jazz <laughs> yeah um but classical music, you can totally do it. You know, you take a score by Mozart, you play through the piece. Even if you've never heard Mozart before or you you know nothing about classical style, you will still be able to play the piece. You're talking about Glenn Gould. You know, he didn't really know that much about Baroque music. So when he plays the mm. Goldberg variation, he plays the score and he plays his idea of it, you know. Yeah. But, um, and it's Glenn Gould, obviously. So, you know, there's there's a great musician behind it and he's, he's, he's making a very personal thing with it. But uh, he was able to play it without really knowing anything about yeah. the site. Oh, I had no and idea about that. 
that's uh, uh, yeah. I mean, and because uh, he wasn't playing on period instruments, right? He was no, he was playing it was piano. just a normal standard. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So tempis are you know not. I mean, it's just <laughs> there's so much. Yeah. So much like it, I remember like a few days ago, I had like someone plays the Goldberg variations, and I was like, nope. <laughs> yeah. No, it's uh, off. <laughs> Right. But a piece anyway, like I, that, I, I, if I it's understand. not pulled off, no. But it, it's it's a yeah. whole. Uh, of, of course, there's a whole uh, movement, you know, aesthetic movement behind it of the time, and it's very, very valid. It's it's a it's a historic performance, but it just shows you that classical music you can play without knowing anything about the actual music, and that's a huge problem because then you know, especially students, they're taught to play note perfect, and they forget that it's actual music, you know, mm-hmm. and so you know, like. I, I see it all the time when I play a piece that's been played, you know, and I add like little ornaments or like, I don't know, I change the tempos or uh, change notes, you know, yeah, <laughs> you know yeah. like it's like sacrilegious, you know, and I hear people like, what, you know, like, how, how dare you, you know, like, it's like this, it sounds this good. It sounds masterpiece good. thing, you're not supposed to touch it, you know, like just play exactly the notes as they are written, uh, the way it's always been played, but that's just, that's boring. That's not what we're supposed to do. You know? Absolutely. Yeah. And also, uh, you know, when you see jazz musicians, mm-hmm. a lot of times learning music by ear, and yeah. you, you seem to understand the well, and guitar, it's yeah. the fretboard, you know, other instruments, yeah. different, mm-hmm. different um, uh, things. Yeah, techniques. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but they just seem to, a lot of times, just understand everything about the music mm-hmm. better behind the guitar behind the musicality yeah. of the phrasing it is i i kind of wish i started off playing uh reading or not reading uh learning by ear because yeah. i you know i kind of had more of a traditional kind of upbringing learning the guitar i started with sheet music and mm-hmm. in ways it's great you know i'm very comfortable reading sheet music and I got a lot of jazz buddies who would say, oh, I wish I could read music like yeah. you. But I think uh, learning by ear and using more the, that creative yeah. side of the brain, it definitely takes yeah, no, more it's, time it's, to it's develop. very important. Yeah. But uh, there's also the, the other problem on the other side is that classical music, it's, um, it's a score. And then the work of the classical musician is to understand the score and uh, if you just learn by ear, you you will not know what the score says because you will actually just listen to someone give you his version of it, and you have no idea what they're doing with it. Yeah. <laughs> um, so you have to go back to the score to actually be creative and be personal with it. Yeah. Piece, which is, uh, you know, playing by ear in classical music is going to be a big problem. You know? Yeah. But in any other style, in jazz, because it's very creative, and you know, there's a know a standard that you you hear many many people play differently so then you know you know what what the actual standard is you know and then you do your own thing on it but classical music you have to go back to the score so it's you know like it's this double-edged sword thing yeah 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 right the the perfect way is to be able to do both i guess well you have to be creative with the score and uh, understand that it's still just a score you know it's a means for the composer to kind of tell you what he hear he hears in his head you know it's not like it, it's it's just paper, you know, it's ink on paper. But you have to have it to actually like uh, it's an inter- intellectual process. Yeah, um, that's classical music. It really is. You have to really understand as much as you can what the composer wanted to say, and if you understand that, you know, uh, 
give your own uh, approach. You know? It always fascinates me seeing different styles of scores uh, with different composers. I mean, yeah. from talking earlier, Roland, he has some of the most detailed scores mm -hmm. I've ever seen yeah. in regards to very musical yeah. markings. And then there's other composers where... You know, you'll you'll find nothing in regards mm -hmm. to dynamics or articulations. Yeah. So mm -hmm. it's uh, it, it's interesting seeing both. Mm -hmm. I find a lot of times I I forget to uh, revisit the score, and I'll totally yeah. forget about a lot of the uh, well, markings. I mean, but the thing is, you know, like for example, with Dion's, it was so precise, but um, it doesn't mean you can't you know do something else. Absolutely, yeah, and. Um, you know, if if the crescendo is written and you do it uh, mindlessly, it's it's still not. It's there because you know when he was playing it, he was doing the crescendo and it sounded good. And as he wrote the music, he had the interpretation in mind, as you know, to a lot of composers. But if you just mindlessly you know play what's on the score and then you you never you know dare to change anything, it really just shows that you really didn't understand the markings. You know. Yeah. Um, so basically, the markings are there to make you understand. The music better and then if you do understand you you're totally free to change everything you know what i mean absolutely yeah if you understand the actual essence of the piece there's a lot of homework that goes into it <laughs> homework yeah i mean yeah no maybe but uh well to first I, I mean you got to really understand and read it but then yeah you know to build your own interpretation you kind of have to do yeah. all this work before it, it, it's a journey and yeah, you know, it is. But, said, but the, yeah. the more you do it, the the, the quicker you understand the stuff, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and also, like, you become acquainted with different composers, and you actually know how they write, and you know what they mean when they write something. You know? Yeah, yeah. Like Tedesco is full of those little, you know, like arrowheads. Like, I mean, really, just like dynamic markings all over the place that don't really make any sense. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it's very vocal, you know. Yeah. And it doesn't really make any sense on the guitar. But once you understand that, it's just like his style of writing. Yeah, the other one that comes to mind is Bogdanovich. He'll write for oh, yeah. uh, at the end yeah. of every <laughs> phrase. And I remember the first time I looked at it, I was like, what, what is he thinking? You know, but his fermata is just a breath. Uh -huh. <laughs> it's yeah, funny how so, it goes sometimes. Yeah. Once you know the composer, you can actually you know make sense of their writing. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's maybe it's homework, but uh, at the core of it, you understand like the, the essence of the piece. It needs to be something that touches you, you know? So you're now a newly appointed professor at Peabody, Peabody Institute. Yeah, yeah. Congratulations Thanks. on that. It's yeah, got to be really exciting. You. Yeah, it, it is. It's crazy. I'm still pinching myself. It's, uh, yeah, so I'm starting next next year. But this year I've been recruiting. I've been traveling a little bit, um, teaching. And uh, now we're starting to get into the audition uh, season, you know? So it'll be in February. I'm really excited. I think uh, we're going to do this on two days, actually. It's okay. usually on one day, but there's a lot Too more many applicants. applicants. Yeah, yeah, more than 50. Before they finished counting, it was uh, like north of 50 people. And here's the question. Is there a coffee machine in the audition for <laughs> <laughs> No, but there's a Mastro, Maestro's Coffee uh, shop. It's like right next to Oh, it's a pretty good? Yeah, it's good. It's a beautiful. Zeke's and it's from Baltimore. It's a beautiful building, uh, yeah, Peabody, and yeah. great program altogether. Yeah. What what a it's great addition to have you there. I mean, it's like it's the dream, you know. Like yeah, Julian Gray, Manuel Barrico as your uh, <laughs> yeah, as your colleagues, <laughs> as your colleagues. It's like yeah, <laughs> yeah. No, it's great. I'm like. So, what do you think you'll be looking for um, 
And these auditions, are, are you looking for someone who's really um, got the technical proficiency, or are you really just looking for the passion in the in the playing? Well, I mean, obviously both. Yeah, uh, you know, I, I'll obviously, you know, like it'll it'll really depend on. I I already know like um, a bunch actually of really young, very good players that are auditioning. Uh, so I'm really excited to see them. And then, you know, it'll be, I, I don't know. It'll be, you know, like how many students now do I accept um, and ranking them. And then it's it's a whole thing with uh, financial aid. Yeah. So before April, really, I won't really know uh, what my class will look like. If it's going to be, you know, small or big, I have, I, I really don't know. Right now, it's like, I don't know. It could be, you know, 20 students. It could be five. I have no idea. It's interesting with American uh, schools and universities that you don't actually know what the class is going to look like until May yeah. first. Yeah, and, yeah. and then things start right up at the end of August. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I well, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm just starting. So obviously, yeah. you know, like I have zero students. So I have to build a class. Yeah. After a few years, when when my class is actually you know like built, I have like fifteen to twenty students. I know which ones are going to graduate, you know. So I won't need to like recruit a full class, you know, yeah, yeah. <laughs> right away. Yeah, it's definitely so, a big yeah big step right at the start. Yeah. So I mean, you know, I'm expecting it to take you know two three years to get a full studio, you know. But who knows? I have no idea. Yeah. And Michael Bloomberg, he just gave a huge donation to Johns Hopkins. He gave like three billion dollars. Wow! Um, oh, that's fantastic. So, John, uh, so Peabody is getting fifty million, and uh, that's going to be for scholarships for undergrad students. Oh, that's fantastic! Yeah, yeah it's amazing. Because especially undergrad too, I yeah. should at the states. Yeah, so yeah it's yeah. just crazy. It is, and they have to live on campus, and so it's much. It's more money, so I, I know it's expensive. Yeah. Oh well, that, that's great to hear. From yeah. The yeah, financial that's, that's aid side. really really good. I'm excited for this really excited so so february 19th 20th probably auditions it'll, Very be, exciting. it'll be my first time you know yeah, so, yeah. <laughs> sitting along uh, you know manuel and julian yeah. there. <laughs> and um are, are, are you looking mainly to have undergrads in your class no you looking for a mix yeah Very nice. yeah yeah i'm teaching everything so undergrad graduate students masters and doctorate you know. and do do people do artist diplomas or graduate yeah yeah uh, certificates yeah 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 we do that too very nice. Yeah. So, yeah. I'll be teaching everything. So. Oh, that's so exciting. Yeah. And how'd you like Baltimore so far? I like it. You I like really, it? I really do. Yeah. I like my apartment here, the little place. The I mean, Bolton Hill is a really nice neighborhood. Yeah. That's where they shot House of Cards. Do you know that? Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Oh, I, I haven't seen that show, yeah. but I know of it. Because oh, it, it kind of looks like Georgetown and it, it yeah. was way cheaper to yeah, actually yeah. shoot here. You know? <laughs> <laughs> so they actually like, they painted the whole like <laughs> block basically. Oh, and, that's uh, funny. And they shot it right there on Park Ave. Yeah. And I'm a uh, 20 minute walk from Peabody. From, oh, that works you know? perfectly. Yeah. I use little scooters, you know, the Lime scooters. <laughs> are they are they the electric like, ones? Yeah, or? electric scooters. I have the app, so I go and it takes are me they, like 10 minutes. Are they like, they're called birds? Or? Yeah, there's bird and there's lime. So I'm, uh, you know, there's, there's those two. And you do that with your guitar in the back? No, I have not tried with a guitar. I was thinking about it and then the first time I well, did it. Well, you got a Carrera <laughs> case, right? Yeah, I guess it would protect me when I fall. <laughs> I, I think they get... Uh, those things go never. fast. They go like 20 miles per hour. Really? Yeah, hey, first time I took one, I was like, this is not safe. And I'm <laughs> not wearing, you know, a helmet or anything. Oh, that's funny. It's going to be... Yeah. It's yeah, because I think once it goes at over 20 miles per hour, then you actually have to get insurance for it because it's considered a vehicle. I think, yeah, they're probably like uh, this, you know, 
I, they actually like don't go faster than that. They start breaking when yeah, you're fast, yeah. you know. But it well, is the trick fast. is you put in a neutral when you go down a hill. <laughs> I don't, you can't actually. <laughs> That's uh, I used to work on a golf course when I was younger. Oh uh, uh, yeah, we, we had a couple really golf big hills and. Uh, <laughs> we we would put the cards into neutral and just coast it. Yeah, we had, when my friends got fired, I felt bad about it. But <laughs> I think he was relieved. Actually, it was a pretty bad job. Uh, yeah. well, <laughs> Grounds maintenance is uh, golf's a great game for for musicians. It's very hard to hurt yourself. <laughs> yeah, that's uh, true. But but uh, the the grounds maintenance is not a good job for musicians. Yeah, so probably I, not. Yeah, for the hands. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Remember one day we uh, were weed whacking. And it was pouring, so that was all we could do because it was too wet for any other. So it was just eight hours of weed whacking. I remember going home, and my hands were just still vibrating. It's like, oh no! That that was the day I realized, yeah, this is this is not good for yeah. a musician. Yeah. Never broke a nail. Can't believe it. Never broke a nail at <laughs> that job. But uh, but I prefer I, I prefer making coffee. Yeah, yeah. And you're a coffee <laughs> drinker as well. Oh yeah. Yeah, we just had. They say it's good for you, so you know, like. <laughs> well, it has more antioxidants than. Yeah, the, yeah, but the red you, wine you, apparently. If you drink too much, obviously, it's not great. But no, almost every guitarist I know drinks coffee. Yeah, well, it's the I think the second largest industry in the world after really like uh, after tobacco gasoline or, or gasoline. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, so you know, everyone is it's a drug. You know? <laughs> yeah, we definitely had a big coffee talk with Scott in the yeah. first episode. I had to add it out a lot. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. But uh it's uh it's it's a good thing to Yeah, I mean it keeps me awake. So you know, I'm, I like I love the taste, you know, like I love espresso and latte. I make my latte every day. You know? I have a lot of people ask me, Oh, doesn't it make your hands jittery? Does it bother you playing guitar? I never never got Oh to no, me. if you drink enough you get accustomed to it, you yeah. know. So <laughs> Yeah, you <laughs> just have to build a tolerance. Yeah, tolerance. But, uh, there you go. But I'll drink a cup of coffee right before going on stage. I mean yeah. I wouldn't want to drink a pot, you know, if you yeah. have too much of it. Uh <laughs> do, do you have any rituals before performing? Um no not really. I mean I usually do the same things, you know, but it's not like rituals, I guess. I try to, you know, warm up and be relaxed. What that's, about the bananas? Cool. I know Nick tells a lot of his students to eat, eat a banana. A banana. <laughs> I think there's magnesium, right? So, <laughs> the potassium. Is potassium. I think a lot of it's just superstition after a while. Yeah. <laughs> well, I don't know. Um, if I don't play too much, I'm already I'm obviously more nervous. If I play like a lot of concerts, I... I don't feel any nerves, so I don't like have specific rituals that I do, you know. Yeah, it's funny how it goes in waves sometimes. Like yeah, if you're in well, the middle of a tour and yeah, yeah, yeah. kind of get in the swing of things. Yeah, so. completely. So are, are you hoping to concertize as much now? Or yeah. you thinking of... Uh, well, more now because I finished school and yeah, that yeah. took a huge dent in the... <laughs> Yeah, I remember seeing some of your Facebook posts with yeah. just textbooks and textbooks in the warm-up yeah. room behind stage. <laughs> oh god, yeah, I still have them there. I mean, I, all my flashcards. I thought all I would the, burn them, but I kept them. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, no, it was. It, yeah, it was intense. Uh, the doctorate there. I mean, you barely get to practice and playing. Well, I, I did it the second year of my doctorate. I was playing uh, in the fall semester. I played like ten concerts or something, and it was horrible. I was writing papers on planes. I was sending them like in hotel lobbies, you know, like I had to like go <laughs> Get on the, out the Wi-Fi. And, yeah, right? like, oh, it was horrible. <laughs> this sucked. I remember like really I was staying at, you know, hotels and writing papers until like 4 a.m. because I had to sit back oh, the next man. day. And uh, yeah, reading books on planes. I said no more, you know. It's got to be, got to be a relief to 
Yeah, so well, the, yeah, I, yeah, for sure. I'm so glad um, I'm done with it. it. It was a good experience. I learned a ton. But um, yeah, I'm, you know, I'm glad it's over. And you mentioned uh, you're thinking about recording a new CD. Do mm-hmm. you know, do you kind of have a concept for uh, the Yeah, I think yet? I'll do uh, all suites. So I'll do um, the Stedisco suite, Opus 133, that I learned, uh, that I have to record. Um, it's not played very much. Okay. Actually, yeah, it's almost, I don't know if it's, I know it's almost it. never played. Yeah, because it's not edited. The score is uh, like, it was published without the edits from Segovia, by Segovia. Oh, okay. Yeah, Shot and Tedesco were waiting for Segovia, and I guess they just got tired of waiting, and they just published it as is. So it's unplayable. I mean, yeah. most most scores have like six notes, you know, but <laughs> not like seven eight or eight, you know. Yeah, but like it's it's really just you have to go through and edit the piece, like like a composer just gave it to you. It's amazing how much Segovia, yeah, you know, sometimes for the better, sometimes maybe for but, the worse. But look but at it this way: like now we're discovering all those, you know, manuscripts, and Segovia did change a ton of stuff. Yeah. So we're like, okay, we'll go back and what Segovia really? How dare he? You know, like change all of this. But at the same time, look at this piece. He didn't edit and it's never played. It's a good piece. Yeah. If he didn't edit all those pieces, they would never be played. He definitely made them guitaristic. He had yeah. to play. I mean, the guy was like playing new repertoire all the time. Yeah. Um, learning, you know, the, I don't know, the Sonata Omaggio a Boccherini, uh, you know, in like a few months. That's not easy. And when you have to edit it and play it, you know, in concerts with Ponce, with, you know, like all the other composers who were writing lots of pieces for him, Torina, I mean, it's it's a huge amount of work. Yeah. The guy had like I mean he has my utmost respect. He was like a beast, you know, learning yeah. repertoire and uh, publishing it. He was yeah. <laughs> yeah. He did a lot for our industry. He did a ton. And of course now it's like good. We can actually go back and play you know, I'm I'm not a if I want to play like a piece by Tedesco, I'll probably go back to the manuscript and do my own work. Mm-hmm. Not use his edition, but for a long time that was that was all we had and it really made all those works uh, very popular. Yeah, he really gave the guitar a 20th century repertoire, you know. Absolutely. So we can always complain that he did too much editing, but at the same time, without his editing, there would be we wouldn't have all yeah. this repertoire yeah. that's playable. I mean, I remember yeah. Yeah, yeah. I used to play the Sonata Romantica, the Ponce. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I looked at the manuscript for that, and mm-hmm. it, I mean, it was just impossible to play it yeah. to the tempo that. Just playing in the standard, mm-hmm. quote unquote, standard interpretation of it. You know, it's uh, it's amazing what he would do to sub pieces. And as you're saying, some people may argue, oh, you lose these harmonies, but yeah. maybe you might lose some harmonies as an expense. But to be able to shape it musically, mm-hmm. with yeah, it was he was uh, very um, efficient. <laughs> yeah, because he had to play it quickly, so he was doing all those edits to make it playable and. Uh, not too complicated. Yeah. Because he had to learn it and play it. Yeah, yeah. yeah he and was learning it a lot. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So you're thinking the Tedesco suite and were there a couple yeah. other suites? Yeah, I got sidetracked there. <laughs> um, yes, the suite number five by, uh, suite Brasilian number five by Assad. Oh, okay, cool. The suite popular Brazilian by Villalobos. And probably another one I'm thinking, uh, maybe Asensio. I like Asensio a lot, the suite Valenciano. Oh, okay. It's played a lot though. So, yeah. Um, well, it's not played a lot, but. So I don't know yet, but like maybe something else. I have to learn the the asset first. First. Yeah, yeah. So um, I'll I'll get to it soon. 
And you, uh, you self-produce, uh, record, and mix your, yeah. your records, right? Well, yeah. I mean, classical guitar, you really don't have to mix. So that's yeah. <laughs> taking care Just of. pan one track low, uh, to yeah, the left, the other to the right. No, no, even. I mean, you have two microphones. It's already stereo. Um, and you're using uh, AKG 414s? Yeah, yeah. I love those. Yeah. I love those guys. Uh, they're really round for the small man. They, they work perfect. I know they're exactly where to They're very clear, articulated sound. Yeah. Because yeah. one of my pet peeves with classical guitar recordings is you don't really have the, I mean, you get this warm, mm -hmm. very reverby sound, but it's not really articulated. It's yeah. just kind of sound. But from, yeah. from your CDs and yeah. other... The second one is better than the first one I did because I was a little more um, experienced with the mics. But um, I, I really, I'm just looking for something clear and realistic yeah yeah just just as close as it sounds in real life you know basically and not too colored and those microphones are really good for that yeah um so yeah i mean i'm sure i could find like you know way more expensive microphones that would be like so much better you know but no i love those things so i just i i know where to place them i always use the same placement for this guitar and uh depending on the room i put them closer or like further yeah. out for like more or less reverb and that's yeah that's how i do it i just press record and i start playing yeah and then um i usually like i mean the last two cds i did i would record in the morning i started recording because when you record in a, like a studio with an engineer you don't have a lot of time and i it's stressful when it, you know yeah. you're being charged yeah. so much an hour yeah yeah i mean charge or like uh, i remember recording something after the Tarega competition and it was two days you know i was Ooh. jet lagged i flew to barcelona we recorded this in like a closet and um i did not enjoy the process you know yeah yeah <laughs> so now when i do it i take a i, I go to a church i i get the church for like a, a week you know like i have like four hours each day basically in the morning i go i record i come back in the afternoon and i edit everything Right after I, yeah, because day. I remember, yeah. you know, like exactly uh, what I what I just played. So I edit the piece, and by the end of the day, the piece is done, and I go the next day. I recall something else. Yeah, and uh, yeah, last CD I did, it took a week and a half from start to finish. Oh, that's that's great. <laughs> yeah. Recording and you know editing and mastering. Yeah. It oh, that's fantastic. Super fast. You know, I hear like people like, yeah, this this CD just came out. I recorded it two years ago. <laughs> <What>? <laughs> yeah, you'll hear some stories, you know. Yeah. How long mixing and everything can take sometimes. But uh yeah, with with classical, you know, we just it's want just, to find yeah, the most yeah. realistic yeah, sound. Yeah, it's and, very simple. There's nothing to, if you're not mixing, you know, like 40 tracks, you know. Yeah, right. And I think the other main pet peeve of mine that I see with people recording classical guitars. They'll put they'll put a microphone. I mean, they know not to put the microphone at the sound hole because mm -hmm. they'll get boomy, but they'll put a microphone literally right next to the guitar and be like, yeah. oh, why does this, it sound good? It's like, well, would you put your ears right yeah. there? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, I think the most supportive part is just really listening yeah. Yeah, to yeah. the ears. And, mm -hmm. you know, using a church is a fantastic yeah. way to go about it and get a beautiful natural sound mm -hmm. out of it. Thank you, Tama, for being on the show. Please join me next week for a conversation with Nicholas Galusis of the Eastman School. I'll leave things today with Tomas' recording of Bach's famous Chaconne that we spoke of earlier. I'm David Steinhardt, and we'll see you next time for the Tone Bass Classical Guitar Podcast.